Hey, welcome back to Confessions of a PYP Teacher. I'm Luke Gerlach, and I'm so glad you're here with us for episode 23. Now, today we're going to talk about how do we now embed the learner profile into our learning and teaching. Last time we talked about establishing the attributes throughout our school community. And now we're going to take the next step of looking at how do we explicitly teach these um, learner profile attributes um, in our units of inquiry. And that takes a minute, right? Think about that. You know, what? I'm not just using them as random, you know, behaviors and way to monitor children and inspire them to make goals. I'm actually going to utilize them as teaching tools. So let's dive right into it, friends. We're going to go into attributes and literacy. Now, learning about language structures can come alive by using the language of the learner profile, for sure, because it provides a lens of viewing and applying these structures. So what do I mean by that? When I'm thinking about it from the lens of open-minded, remember, open-minded, we're trying to appreciate our own culture and our own values um, so that we can appreciate others. And when we're thinking about it from that lens, you know, we're thinking about, okay, I'm developing these reading skills. And many teachers, thinking of how they were trained or, you know, the culture of their campus they, or their confidence in teaching reading, they often share topics in an isolated manner. So they'll do a worksheet or an interactive notebook or, and I've been guilty of it, you know, teaching character traits or plot elements and cause and effect. And yes, we do first need to teach, explicitly teach, what are these things? But then what do you do with them afterwards? That's what we're talking about. And so how can we take this experience and frame it with the learner profile? So once again, thinking about an open-minded person, we're trying to appreciate our own cultures and values as well as others. To do this, we're going to examine some of the character traits that we see in ourselves. And why do we have those character traits? Do we get them from our culture? Do we get them from our parents? Do we get them from our environment of where we live? And then what are those traits that we see in characters or other people that we're reading about currently in books? Notice how it went from here's an isolated character trait, list of character traits. We're looking at this character. Now it's coming back to me. Once again, the whole, we talked about it in, you know, back in number two, the importance of making those relevant and significant connections. Because it's so important that we do that. Because our kiddos, they're lost most of the time if we don't make those relevant and significant connections. So we're doing this. And now let's take a step back even further and look at how can we, with literacy, you know, expand on being a risk taker. Because one of the hardest things for many students to do is write. They don't know how to write. They don't know what to write about. Um, and this is because, this is, I'm speaking my truth, um, I'm speaking from the lens of myself, is that many teachers are insecure about teaching writing. 
and grammar. And so it's often, once again, done in isolation. Worksheets, interactive notebooks that have no connection with authentic writing experiences. So how do we then gain that confidence in writing? And I think the learner profile can really help us with that in a very simple way. So here's an example. So if I'm talking to students, I might, you know, remind them that as risk takers, we're able to complete hard tasks because we don't give up and we keep trying until we get it right. That's what it means to be a risk taker. Not jumping out of a plane, we're facing something that is really hard to do and we don't stop until we do it. Then we turn it. Write about a time when you had something hard to do and what did you do to overcome it? Now you're putting it back into those relevant and significant connections. All right. Woo! Did that blow your brain or what? So it's constantly looking at it from the different lens. So now, how can we bridge open-mindedness with reading and writing? What? Combining reading and writing? Of course. You know, that's what the best practitioners do. They do what I call twofers, where they're killing two birds with one stone, right? So to help us to see the similarities and differences between our culture and that of another culture, we're going to compare and contrast the traditional Cinderella story that we know with the rough-faced girl, which is a Native American version. And we're going to have students reflect on their own cultural beliefs and traditions and their values and where do they get their ideas from of how they think and what they do and those celebrations. And coming from that cultural lens, they're going to write their own version of Cinderella. That is powerful. Once again, relevant and significant connections. Okay. So now let's go, let's leave literacy and dive into the attributes in science and social studies. Because to support conceptual thinking in science, we can use the attributes to help us make meaningful connections to ideas. And we know science is a conceptual language, and, but it's often left at the processes level. And what's often missing in science, which I think is why students can't grasp it, is because the stories and the experiences that help us to remember the bigger theories are often not shared. So let's look at it from the lens of being principled. So as we know, as scientists, we vow to act with integrity because our actions have consequences beyond ourselves. So how do we then share this with our students? So we're in preparing, you know, for science instruction for the year. And we have to have the dialogue from being principled that when we're working in the science lab, we promise to act correctly so we remain safe as well as others. And at times we will make mistakes. We'll make spills. We'll combine chemicals that shouldn't go together. But we need to own our mistakes and our actions 
because that helps us to grow and also keeps everyone safe. So that's one way you could look at it from principled for science. Another way for science that you could look at it from is from the lens of reflective. When looking at, you know, different scientists in the world, it's important to have a balance of representation from around the world and gender. Because this allows us to make connections, you know, to, and once again, it makes relevant and significant connections. And oftentimes when we think about science, we don't think of women. We don't think of people who, um, from various cultures. And so how can we bring that into our learning so that students can see that scientists are everyday people who have come up with amazing ideas? And also, how can we share the obstacles and the foibles they've gone through? For instance, um, I don't know if you know, but in Austria... There was a Hungarian scientist named Ignaz Semmelweis. And at the time, he noticed that many people were dying at a rapid rate when they come to the hospital. And he suggested to the surgeons to wash their hands in between procedures. And the result was that many of the surgeons were offended because they thought he was calling them dirty. And what happened is that, you know, 20 years after his death, these ideas that um, Ignaz had were proven correct by Louis Pasteur's, um, you know, germ theory. And all of a sudden, people are washing their hands. But in the interim, this poor man was so booed out of the science community that he actually ended up in an insane asylum. And imagine how you'd feel if this was you. Now you've got kids writing. Now you've got kids hooked. And they want to know more about this germ theory and washing hands, right? And so that's how we're going to get them. But we have to be reflective about that other people have gone through this. And so what's their journey? And how can we share this so that it makes it more real? So now let's switch gears a little bit. Thinking about how do we support deeper thinking in social studies? Because that's equally important, right? And so we're going to look at it from beyond, you know, historical events and geography and all of that. But let's look at it from the lens of balanced. You know, when we're connecting to those past experiences that people have, that we have, we need to highlight a broad range of people so that we avoid those misconceptions. Because this, you know, this can be applied to science and math as well that we just talked about. So I'm going to give you an example. You know, oftentimes when we discuss explorers, we're thinking of Christopher Columbus, right? We're thinking about a lot of um, European explorers that went out to conquer the world in the 1400s or, you know, earlier. And they all lived in Europe and they were all fair-skinned. But what's really interesting is that if you look at the idea of exploration and what happened at that time, it's really interesting because then 
If you look beyond the borders of Europe, then you can see that in the 14th century, that's 100 years earlier, you know, the Moroccan explorer Ibn Battuta spent nearly 30 years of his life traveling 75,000 miles across Africa, the Middle East, India, and to Southeast Asia because he wanted to see all the lands of Islam. But we don't know about it. Why? You know, and so it's about exposing our children to a wider net of people who've done miraculous things. And because that right there, building international mindedness. So now let's switch gears in regards to thinking of social studies into reflective. You know, and when we think about us as historians, looking at, you know, events that have happened in our past, so we don't make the same mistakes in our present or in the future, is that we have to humanize these events. So we can apply those lessons to our lives. And one way that we can show, you know, reflective behavior is to examine the lives and challenges and successes of people whom we're studying. That just seems natural, right? And this allows us to make that emotional connection, make that relevant connection. So one thing that I absolutely love to do is I love to utilize the visible thinking routine, truth for who. And this is a routine that is gripping. It's difficult. Children get frustrated. But you have children go into groups and they research an event that has happened from the lens and the perspective of different groups. So for instance, um, if you're looking at, so like, I live in Texas, and so one of the things that we talk about is the Texas Revolution and how it made America become America. But instead of just looking at it from the Texan side, we look at that event from the, from the lens of the Mexicans who lost the Tejanos. And what, you know, what did that mean to the Mexicans and how they lost their land and all of that, right? Yeah, it was purchased, right? But a lot of the pride, so many issues, underlying issues are still occurring today because of that event. And then also, you know, of course we're going to look at it from the lens of the Texans, but then we're also going to look at it from the lens of the Native Americans who were here first before all these people. And what does that mean? And so when you're able to look at it from multiple perspectives, you're now walking away with a different point of view about singular events. So there's no really one winner and one loser. Everyone loses, right? And so, uh, and I think that humanizes um, history. And that's what we need to do more of is humanize the past events, that they're just not things that happen, but there were real lives who were lost, real lives that suffered or prof, you know, made profitable gain or, you know, had successes that we want to celebrate. But we don't know that and we don't really get to the heart of it unless we have an emotional experience with it. So now let's finally delve into the attributes of math. 
you know, math is such a conceptual language and thinking process. And I think that the learner profile really lends itself to math because we want our students to listen to each other and to express, you know, their ideas confidently and with creativity. And so how do we do that in math? So looking at it from the lens of communicator is how can we utilize, you know, word problems that reflect real life connections? And I don't mean made up things that kids don't relate to. You know, oftentimes I think people think that, oh, here's a word problem about Juan and his eight apples that he shares with four friends. But that doesn't relate to the kids because they don't know who Juan is. Um, he's just a guy on a paper, right? And so how do we make this um, mathematical process more authentic so students, you know, will replicate it in the future? So a possible example is after learning how to, you know, tackle a certain strategy with word problems, maybe allow students to create their own word problem situations based on their own life. You know, have them also solve it, uh, utilizing words and, you know, pictures so they can explain it to someone else who's going, who's struggling and who's going to try to, you know, who's having a hard time so that you're having reciprocal teaching happening there. And you can also obviously have another group try to solve it and then explain their thinking. So you've got it going all the way around. And you know, this will get them emotionally involved in the process of creating and solving math problems and allowing for that reciprocal teaching once again to happen. And I think that that's so important because what happens oftentimes is kids are disconnected. They are constantly taught process, 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 but they don't understand the concept, which is why they can't replicate it the next year. And so how many times have we heard, what did they teach you last year? Because you should already know this, right? We've heard that time and time again. I'm guilty of saying those things. And so it wasn't until I realized how you didn't understand the concept of it that I backed up and, you know, changed my tactic. So now let's look at uh, math from the reflective lens of the learner profile. So thinking about math can be difficult for many children. They don't know how to articulate it because it's such a different process. And setting up a problem with a misconception may be easier for them to self-assess their understanding rather than having them just, you know, willy-nilly Um, reflect on their mathematical thinking. So an example can be is, you know, when you're, after you've presented a mathematical concept, have students complete the visible thinking, think, pair, share. And that does not mean you think, you see something, you know, you think about it and you turn to a partner, you share. It's a lot more evolved than that. It's, you're given a prompt that might have correct answer or misconception, usually with misconceptions. And you first look at the problem and you think, what do I think about this? And then you have to answer, you know, do you think this child is correct in their thinking? And you have to take a side, yes or no. Then with words and with pictures, you need to demonstrate 
What's the correct thinking and why? And after that point, then you go and share it with two to three other people. That's powerful. And what's interesting is, you know, one thing that I have found is what if three children all have it wrong and they're sharing misconceptions and they're like, no, I don't get it. That's when I'll step in to clarify and see where did they misstep and clarify it. And once they have that aha, then I have them go back to their desk and on the back side of their paper, I have them rewrite their thinking again. Now I think this because of this. So once they have that misconception cleared up, I want them to capture their aha on a piece of paper, on the back side of the paper. And the reason is, is so that they have it cemented. They're, it's, it's, you know, they're going through a multiple process of thinking and articulating it on paper with visuals so that they can capture that and keep it for next time. So I hope that gave you some ideas of how to embed the learner profile into your teaching. Woo, deeper thinking. Woo, I know. So if you want more ideas, check out my website. You know where it is, thinkchat2020.weebly.com. And I can't wait to see you at, um, at the next episode. Have a wonderful day.